Welcome to Midweek at the Compass. My name is Jake. I'm our online pastor. And I feel like I really want to say our current sermon series is, Who Do You Think You Are?, I had to get one more of those in. But we have moved on from that series, and it was great. So if you've missed any of the previous sermon series or midweek content around that sermon series, you can go back at any point and catch up. But we are on to the next series, and it's called Shattered, Finding Hope in the Book of Job. You know, Job lived a life that seemed to be idyllic for a while until it seemed like his entire world came crashing down. And we just started week one of this sermon series by seeing in chapters one and two some spiritual dynamics that are at play that maybe are more than meets the eye. It could be something that we've never really put much thought into the spiritual dynamics that are happening each and every moment. And that's what we want to have a little bit more of a conversation around together here today. So I'm joined by my friend, Dave Griffin. Dave is the pastor of student ministries at our Wheaton campus. Dave, thank you for taking the time to do this. I'm glad to be here. So uh, I want to let you know, uh, before we get started with anything, that I am not mad at you. Now, this, for anybody joining in, there was a comment that was made at an all-staff meeting here at the Compass Church where you, you called me out. Jake, you didn't say hi to me. It's true. Now, I, one of the, I do explain just a little bit. Is, is I, I, I did. I lived in Mexico for 10 years. So I like to say I have a little bit of a Latino corazón. My heart is Latin. And basically, if you don't say hi to somebody, what that means in the Hispanic culture is that you must be mad at them or you have offended them in some way. So when you walk by, which I was in a conversation, which is very American, yes. just to walk by that and not nose in, I, I, I took it personal. Yeah. And from my end, I really, I'm a small town Midwestern boy at heart. I say things like whelp and hope and excuse me. <laughs> um, but when somebody's locked up in a conversation, I tend to just let them have that conversation because I don't want to butt into it and, uh, you know, offend or break up maybe what could be a very deep and meaningful conversation. I would rather just wait till a time where you're not tied up with somebody, but I offended you to your core. So one, I am sorry for that. Truly. Well, thank you. It's one of those, it's a little, it's a little odd being uh, so, I'm trying to say this in a politically correct way. Sure. Being so white, but sometimes Uh, feeling so Hispanic. That's fair. Okay. And from my end, I'm just truly white, like to the core. Uh, And you know what? I've grown to be comfortable with that because it's who God has made me. I want to grow through and in the midst of it, but I am who I am and I want to know the great I am. So just say hi to me all the time. Done. All right. Hi, Dave. Thanks. You're welcome. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Hi, buddy. But with that, right, I wanted to have a conversation with you around all things kind of spiritual. Gotcha. Of what you have seen at play. Because I've heard you share stories in the midst of different messages in student ministry or from our weekend services here at the Compass Church of, honestly, your time in Mexico where you lived and served there and just some of the things that you have seen at play. And it's just, honestly, one, it's very different than the things I have seen and experienced in my life. But I think it gives you a little bit of a broader brush to paint with than I would have when it comes to what's actually at play, right? We saw in Job 1 and 2 that Satan it mixes in with these angels of the Lord who are going to give a report. And all of a sudden, he's just there and having this conversation. And it lets me know that things like that, that's not a one-off, right? Like there are, there are spiritual battles at play in most moments of life that we're not privy to. 
But with that, we can also overplay well, it sometimes. Yes. I, I grew up, well, let's talk about the underplaying first. Absolutely. So I grew up in, in, in a church. It was a wonderful church. taught me all about Jesus. Um, but I was never taught that there is an enemy hmm. that doesn't like me or anybody like me that's trying to follow Jesus. Uh, and so I really grew up kind of just thinking about Jesus, but thought uh, the struggles that I was having was just a me problem instead of really thinking about it, I, I might be under attack, hmm. which is not a, wasn't a lot in my vocabulary. So what was funny is you go to, you go to Mexico um, and I was actually visited an Indian tribe that was very much a superstitious spiritual tribe. Um, you know, for millennium, however it was, they had no idea that there even was a Jesus that existed. And so I was able to meet some of the first people that ever had met Jesus. Their basic religion was animism, I think it's called, but basically nature itself told them their secrets of life. And so animals would talk to their witch doctors or trees would express themselves in some ways as they were in ceremonies and stuff. And it was, they worshiped nature. Hmm. Uh, so it was just interesting that I'm there never knowing we really have an active enemy. And one of the ex-witch doctors says, Dave, would you pray for me? Knowing that I was a missionary. That's interesting in and of itself. Yes. But keep going. So he, Dave, would you pray for me? I'm a, you know, a, a new believer and I know Jesus is true. And he goes, but I'm having this problem. And so I'm, you know, real concerned saying, hey, what's your problem? I'm thinking he's going to say something like I'm struggling reading the Bible or I'm having family problems. Well, he says every night on the way home, the great white wolf stands next to him and tells him how Jesus isn't true. Huh. So I kind of, you know. Uh, Not where you thought the conversation was going. No, so I, what do you what do you mean? And he actually said it was one of the spirits that he would talk to before knowing Jesus, and would visit him on the road. Would stand up like a human and just say, "Jesus is a lie. This is what the truth is." And he goes, "I know Jesus is true, but the dumb wolf won't leave me alone." Dave, would you please pray for me now? I've prayed for a lot of different things. I yeah. have never prayed for anything like that. But it opened my eyes up to there's there's a dynamic here that's happening that is real. Yeah. And so I, I mean I have I have no idea what happened to this gentleman, but I, I did and all the faith that I could muster up prayed that Lord may your truth be real. And now as I look at it, I'm like Probably the best prayer I could have ever ever prayed for, um, but that's the truth. And so, even if we look in the Job, what we're talking about, there's this this, this deal is we do have an enemy, and he is actively roaming around, as it says, looking for people to destroy. Yeah. Now, question is, why? So let's get to that. Why? I don't want to get into a whole bunch, but it all is sort of in the, the you know, the, the story of who he was. So if we go all the way back, uh, he was one of the head angels before humans and everything. His name was Lucifer, and he decided he wanted to be God. Um, and so kind of led a rebellion of trying to overtake God, take his throne, which was a complete failure. Yeah. Because God didn't even have to fight him. Just kind of like with a word, kind of like my mom used to say, go clean your room. There was nothing I could physically do <laughs> to stop my mother from saying that. I was under that authority. I had to do it because I knew there's nothing I can do. Yeah. I can't beat up my mom. You wouldn't want to. You can't. He, Satan knew or Lucifer knew there's nothing I can do physically. And so the reason I look at that is, and I, I uh, again, um, if you guys uh, know who I am, I am the m younger brother of Pastor Jeff. Yes. 
Um, Jeff was, he is, he's taller and he's bigger than I am. Um, and he had several kids. He was super duper smart, always did the right thing. It was kind of annoying. <laughs> but he even annoyed other people. And some of those people weren't big enough or mean enough to actually mess with Jeff because Jeff was, he was a swimmer. And back in the day, he was actually ripped. And, I, and I'm, I'm not lying this one. I'm telling the honest truth. I really am. But the, the boy was, was jacked. I mean, he was ripped. Yeah. And people wouldn't mess with him. But if they really didn't like him, who did they mess with then? Dave. Little brother. And so I got locked in lockers. I got wedgies. You name it. Right. And it was all in the name of, hey, we can't get Jeff, so we might as well get Dave. That's why I think Satan is, that's why you guys look at why Satan is so, hates us so much. He knows he can't do anything to God. Can't hurt him physically, can't hurt him emotionally, can't hurt him in any way, but I can hurt who he loves. Interesting. And so he's just a big fat bully who says, I am going to hurt you guys because that's, my one way I can get back at God. So you went from having the idea of having an enemy being underplayed growing up. Yes. To having a moment of realization of there is more happening here to kind of open your eyes, to start studying and finding out a little bit more of who this enemy he can, is. He can make animals talk. Whoa. Weird. Yes. Yeah. I've never experienced that. I hope I never do. <laughs> now... After that, though, there had to have been other times where you've seen spiritual dynamics at play over the course of your life in ministry, you know, after that point in time of your eyes were opened of there's an enemy. Now, tell me something else where you've been able to see this enemy at work. So the one I would love to do, and this is what I love to talk about, is in this, what he does. And so here's, here's what I would say, and this is how you actually can see him working in it. Again, I studied martial arts for a little bit while I was in Mexico. I, I, was, I loved it. Um, yeah. Not that I like beating people up, but the discipline of it, the little bit of the violence of it, but I, I enjoyed it. And one, my sensei would always say, who studied under Chuck Norris, by the way, just throwing out names out there. So he studied 13 years under Chuck Norris's and learned his system. So it's pretty, pretty cool stuff. Uh, continuing your story in just a second, I loved... <laughs> All of the Chuck Norris jokes for that season, however long it lasted. There is, I don't know that there was one that didn't make me laugh out loud and have my wife look at me like I was crazy. Huh. Anyways, I digress. Anyways. Keep going. <laughs> okay, so I learned all this. And the big thing that he said is, is you know, to be able to be a good fighter, um, as you study what you need to learn, one of the things you need to know is how your enemy is going to attack. That will help you defend, help you counterattack, all that sort of stuff. You need to know what your enemy is going to do. And so uh, if you look at it scripturally, our enemy really has one big and major attack, and that is that he's the father of lies. Jesus even says it, that his natural language is lying. And so that's what I have seen most in everything. I have seen him tell lies. For example, I've been to several countries where it seems like the whole country is under a spiritual lie. Hmm. Um, and so, for example, uh, I would say, the old, the theology you could say behind or the beliefs and doctrines behind Mary. You know, oh. biblically, she is the woman that should be respected above all women. She was the mother of Jesus, chosen out of all women. It was her at a young age because she was just that wonderful. But Satan seems to take it just a little bit and twist it just enough, lie just that it gets the eyes off of Jesus and onto her, where there are several countries that are actually trying to give her the power to hand out salvation. 
It was Jesus who died and rose again for us, not Mary, but she's being worshiped, celebrated. I mean, I have actually seen people that have gone on pilgrimages to get Mary's attention where they've crawled for literally days until their hands and knees are bleeding to hopefully get attention from Mary. When I really think of, if you scripturally look at Mary's always seemed to point at it's all about my son. Yeah. It's, all, it's all about Jesus. He's the one that was 100% God, 100% man. He's the one who said, I am the way, the truth, and life, and no one gets to the Father but through me. And so that's where I kind of look at and say, hey, that'd be another one. I even saw like a whole countries believing a lie saying, no, this whole worship of Mary is good. So we'll put her at the front of the church and give Jesus a little side corner and it's just, it's just, it's, it's interesting because it just doesn't seem to be scriptural. And that's a really fascinating point, right? I think a lot of times when you hear that our enemy is the father of lies, he doesn't go and just create something bold and on its own that's not tied to something else, right? Like he's not coming up to us and saying, hey, Elvis is not dead. Elvis is alive, right? Like that wouldn't have anything to do with me. But what he does is take things that are half-truths, almost true, but just slightly off, and uses that slightly off to start a new trajectory, and then a new trajectory, and a new trajectory, and then all of a sudden, you're just way off course in something that started as being close to true, or mostly right. Um, That's what I've seen, at least honestly, play out in my own personal life. Um, I am my own worst critic, right? For anyone that's an Enneagram person, like an Enneagram one has this inner critic um, to the point where I have a very hard time taking a compliment as an example, um, because when somebody says something nice about me, I'm playing all the things in my head that were actually wrong with what they said, or what I did to actually get a compliment. Um, it, it's a weird dynamic, but it's kind of the same concept, right? Like it, it's, a, it's a truth, but I take it a slightly different way, and all of a sudden I'm off base. Well, it, today is so much, I've been fighting a lie all day today. Yeah. And the, the whole thing is, is, you know, I'm not good enough they should have asked somebody else to sit and talk about this theme or you should have invited somebody who has a more studying or is more serious or got a better beard. I don't care what it was. It was one of those <laughs> things where just straight up, that's what it was. And here it was the reason on Sunday it was talking to a man and a man kind of making a joke about my career. I have been a student pastor in two different countries for 30 years now. Yeah. And he just made a comment of, isn't it kind of weird that you're 50 years old and you're still doing student ministry. And kind of, it was kind of that joke of maybe I should grow up or maybe I should do something like an adult would do. And it's been so funny because ever since then, and you're inviting to sit here, I've, this little lie's been going around saying, you're not adult enough to share it, but, you know, talk about these things. You're not, it should be Jeff. Your older brother is the one that has the senior pastor. It should be your dad because he's got 150 people in his Sunday school class and he's studied scripture so much. I could have thought of 150 people different. And here I am, I'm believing this lie when Hmm. the truth of the matter is it's almost correct. I'm not worthy to be talking about Jesus. But because of his death and because of his resurrection and because of the fact that the Holy Spirit has moved in each one of us, I now have everything I need that he has made me worthy to talk about these things. And so I just look at it there and say, man, I, 
I am in the right place and God gave me this opportunity and I am the right person. I'm going to get it all right and not be correct and everything. But to say that, oh, I can't or I shouldn't or I'm not worthy is almost true. Yeah. But like you say, it just twisted it. He twisted it just a little. And I look at that and sometimes you could say, well, no, Dave, that's just low self-esteem. Yeah. But that's where the enemy knows, well, that's where my self-esteem is. And that's what so, he's so astute about. He knows me enough, and I think he knows all of us enough, that he's able to lie to us and where we're most vulnerable. It's those fiery darts the Bible talks about where we should be armored, you know, with the armor of God. And those fiery darts, he knows where to aim them. And so he aims them at my self-esteem because that's where I am a little weak in comparing myself. And so I just would say to everybody, as I think about this and look at Job, what this is telling me is you and I, we're in a fight. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. This life we live in, and it's not just against the bad circumstances which happen. We have an enemy that doesn't like us. Now, again, that doesn't mean that when I stub my toe, Satan put that bedpost right there so that I would say that bad word. I don't think he works that way. Yeah. You can't find him under every rock, but we do have an enemy that wants to lie to us. Absolutely. That's fascinating too, right? You've gone from underplaying an enemy in spiritual things, having your eyes open, being very aware of how it's played out in a group of people. Uh, I know you've previously shared uh, several different stories of how you've seen that play out. Uh, We don't have time to get into really Mm. most of them, but uh, you went to having that. But there's also the other end, right? There's uh, being unaware, being rightly aware, but also overplaying it. And I like that what you said there. I I think I'm of the same mindset, right? Like, Not every single bad thing happens because you are personally under spiritual attack from Satan, right? Sometimes you just make a bad choice. But you said it before we started recording, and I think it's just incredibly wise, so I'll say it, but I'm giving you credit for it, is we're just in a broken world, right? Like, there are, like, I might forget my keys at home because I'm absent-minded and I've got a million other things going on and I get to my office and I can't unlock the door. Is that a spiritual attack on me personally? No, that was me being absent-minded. But that happens because we have an enemy and because we are in a fallen world that Jesus has worked to restore. So with all of that said, so, uh, Please. So here's my biggest thing. It'll be my, be my last story. And yeah. I have told this one before, uh, and it's about a guy named General Butt-Naked. Okay. Uh, he, a general in Liberia for the, the, for the bad side. He was a bad guy. And I'm not going to get deep into it, but I mean, talk about somebody who believes the lies of Satan so much that he was literally with his own hands admits to murdering thousands of people. Um enslaving children and making them warriors where they brainwashed them. And I mean, the stuff he did was just evil. Heinous, yeah. Because he was believing a lie. The more I do this, the more powerful I be. I, I will be. I will turn into a god myself. And that's kind of what he was, he was going for. And it was all a lie from Satan. If you do these things, which were horrible, I'll make you a god. Yeah. And what's absolutely beautiful is, is I met him after he had found Jesus and the truth had set him free. And when I met him, I asked him what his name was, and he didn't say, I'm General Butt-Naked. He says, my name's Joshua. Hmm. And I said, where'd that come from? And in talking to him, it was because I live now a new truth. 
He could have focused on all of the bad and all of the ugliness and all of the temptations he was still having because he still struggled with stuff. He still couldn't hear children cry because he know he had made so many children cry. So you feel every time he he would go into this you know dark place of, look how horrible I am. Hmm. And I said, so what do you do? And so as I was talking, he says, the best thing to do is to know the truth. Interesting. And what he said was, the truth isn't a thing. The truth is a person, and his name is Jesus. Yeah. And so he goes, Jesus renamed me. And so that was the most gorgeous thing I ever heard. When he believed that truth, he let Jesus' truth now redefine him completely. He knew it so well. He understood the voice of Jesus and not just that little weird voice that throws all the lies at it. I'm not saying we're going to hear voices in our head. So I don't want to go there again and right. over-spiritualize, but we all know that. You know, why did I just think that I'm a horrible person? Or why did I just believe that lie. Yeah, we do have an inner dialogue going on. Mm-hmm. And so he just says you have to know the real voice. And so that was his biggest thing. It wasn't, hey, I need to fight all of my demons. Yeah. The truth is, is I need to know Jesus so that he takes care of everything. And that's fascinating, right? You went from studying martial arts and knowing your enemy, which could be good advice in some regards and sometimes, but not the best advice. That's true. The yeah. best advice is to turn from knowing your enemy and turn to knowing the truth. Turning from the father of lies and knowing that truth is a person found in Jesus. So last thing I want to ask is how can we come to know truth? What does that process look like? How have you seen that play out? Here's, here's the most simple way I can put it. It's a relationship. Hmm. And so just like... When I started falling in love with my wife, she didn't love me. Let's just get it straight. <laughs> I was falling in love with her. Not so much on my... She saw. She, she described me as el güero sin sabor. Which means? The white guy with no flavor. Awesome. So that's how <laughs> she saw me and said, how am I going to ever... I needed her to know who I was. And so I spent time with her. And the more time I spent and the more she realized who I was, the more she fell in love with me. She knew me. And that's where I would just say, you've heard talk in church all the time. Pastor Jeff says it all the time that we should pursue him daily. It's just a fancy way to say, we got to spend time with the Savior. However you and your personality does, whether that's through music, scripture reading, going to church, being part of a small group, community, prayer, spend time with Jesus so you know who he is, so that when he speaks, we know it. That's fantastic. Now, I want to end on a lighter note, if I could, just a little bit. Uh, And that's the way Conte felt about you is my experience with my wife as well. So I met my wife second day of freshman. She called you El Guero Sin Sabor? Uh, Not quite, but (laughs) uh, I'll get to that in a second. So whatever. When I tell the story, I met my wife second day of freshman orientation, and she just couldn't get enough of me. But what actually happened is I met her second day of freshman orientation, knew I was going to marry her right away. And let's just say she didn't quite feel that way about me at first because I'm an acquired taste. Gotcha. Uh, but it ultimately, it worked out for, you know, my, at least for me. You could ask her, I guess, separately. Um, but the fun thing is my wife's family uh, is from Peru. So my um, wife's grandmother and grandpa came over from Peru. My wife's mother spoke only Spanish in the home. Um, so when I first met my wife's family, her grandma just was kept calling me Flaco. Because I, I don't know, I just didn't no, realize, you, like, I didn't... You're skinny. 
Yeah. Well, I didn't know that that's what it meant. I thought that was just what she thought my name was or a nickname. Uh, but apparently it was a nickname that means skinny. So what actually happened is for like six months to a year, she didn't know my name. She just called me skinny. Uh, and it stuck for a little bit. I'm still kind of skinny, but not skinny as I used to be. So uh, anyways. Orale flaco. Yeah. Flacco. flacco. Uh, please don't call, don't call me Flacco, everybody. I'm just, calling Jake, him Flacco. It's okay. Uh, <laughs> flacco. Uh, Dave, honestly, thank you for taking oh, the time to do this. Man. I know you, you've had some experiences that I haven't had, and I love hearing about them. But what I love most is that it's not about knowing the enemy, and it's the fact that you're pointing us to it's knowing Jesus. Amen. And the more we know him, the more we hear his voice and understand that it's his voice makes for a better life. Preach it, Flacco. <laughs> on that note. Hey, <laughs> thank you for joining us, everybody. My name is Jake, not Flacco, and it's great to be here with you. And make sure you come back next week. We're continuing our midweek series about the book of Job. I'm going to be joined by Mark Lennox, and we're going to be talking about friendship because we see in the story of Job, there's three guys with some awesome names that ultimately don't give Job the greatest advice. So how can we learn about the advice of friends? How can we give advice well? How can we just build better friendships? We're going to hear those stories. Plus, spoiler alert, you're going to hear how a pastor on staff at one point in time was arrested. If that's not enough of a tease for you to come back, you're going to want to join us next time we're together here on Midweek at the Compass. Flacco. Flacco.